In today's show, we're talking tiers for drafting. Point guards in particular. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. It's tears. So Matt Smith's going to come on. We're going to talk... Well, I'll let him explain what we're doing with the tears. So we might as well just uh, get him in right now. It's that time of year. Welcome back to the show, Matthew Smith. How are you? I forgot. Hang on, I forgot to do the sound. I got to do the sound. People will complain. Smitty. Ah, Smitty. Now you didn't hear that, but it definitely played. Trust me. Thank you, Josh. Good to be back, and it is that time of year again. It is. I think. I don't know how this has happened, but I think everything is. The NBA season starts a week later. Than, it, than it, what it did last season. But all my shows seem to be pushing out a week earlier. So there's like a two-week discrepancy somewhere in there. I, I don't exactly know why that is happening, but it is. And that's where we're at. So we're here. We're talking um, We're talking tiers. And Matt, I'm going to let you throw it. I want to throw it to you to tell us what, what do we mean by a tier? What, what, what's the purpose of this? Yeah, so we use positional tiers to group players of similar overall value. Now, for these positional tiers, we're using your eight cat per game standard league projections on Basketball Monster. Um, and by using tiers, we can identify where there's a positional strength or scarcity. And by that, I mean this season we'll see that centre in particular is a deep position. Therefore, you can get a good starting centre in the mid rounds of drafts. Um, and then using these positional tiers collectively can help you on draft day. So, like there might be a run of big men go off the board in those mid rounds, and then you can see in the tiers that there might be only a couple left that, that you want, but you also might need a small forward to, to assist your team. But you know you can get them later in the draft by looking at positional tiers. So it might be more beneficial. It probably is more beneficial to take that power forward or centre now and wait on that small forward. And I guess just a couple of other um, points of housekeeping as well, or housekeeping. Tiers aren't reflective of rounds. So a, a player in tier four isn't necessarily a round four player. And a player in tier, let's say, three in one position doesn't necessarily hold the same value as tier three in another position. And I guess finally is please just don't get too caught up in where players are listed in, in terms of their positions. Um, we've tried to lift, list players in the positions that they will predominantly play this season. So as an example, Scotty Barnes is listed as a shooting guard um, in these tiers because we expect then a shooter to play point. OG and Anomi to play small forward, possibly the ultimate power forward and Virgil uh, at centre. So, um, yeah, unless or when we hear that 
you know, we get into training camp and Toronto announce him as their full-time point guard, then I can move him across into the point guard tiers. But for the sake of the exercise, he's currently a shooting guard. Yeah, I think that last sentence is really important for the sake of the exercise. Because honestly, Matt, like these positions are so fluid. They don't mean as much. It's not fantasy football where it's a running back or a wide receiver. And I hear people talk about this all the time. They go, man, well, if a center actually gets me way more assists than that positional average, it's so much more valuable. And is it? But it isn't really because you don't have to get those centers. You could just grab another point guard and put it in utility, and then your assists go up by a lot more. Whereas this positional thing is just—it's just not as important, especially with dual positions, which will be added in to a lot more sites as we go through. So while we're looking at this from a strict you know, five shows, five positions, it's really not the way basketball works, and it is really just for a designation for us to go through. So if a player's not here, he's going to be in shooting guards, or we think he's shit. Either one of those two things. But more than likely, if it's someone who you think should be here, he's going to be in another area. Now, in the past, we've always strictly just done this for category leagues. I am going to throw out a little bit of points league tiering stuff when I see something that's a little bit different. I am also, as I've spoken about many times, working on a different sort of or adjusted ranking system. Now, at the moment, what I've done is I've given this ranking system a name. It's going to be called Durant, and I'll explain that more in another show. And I am going to go through, because I've got those numbers working in the background. We are probably going to put them up on Basketball Monster at some point as an alternative, just to sort of test it through the season to see how it goes. But when my Durant rankings have guys in slightly different tiers here as well, I will mention it. There will be a show coming probably this week explaining what a little bit of what that Durant stuff is. But just so you're aware that and this is another thing I've been looking at, Matt, is that yeah, we look at tiers and we look at positions and we look at ranks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, the, the differences are, are, are quite narrow that it only takes really small changes to bump guys up or down or to completely change the way we value. In fact, I tweeted it out today. If you look at the actual valuation of players that so much at the top, like I think Jokic would be the first ranked player. Then if, if you had the guy who's ranked fourth, the equivalent rank would be 60th based on a 500 player sample size. Like that's how spread out this stuff is. It's it's minute differences that change things. Yeah, and and we're still two months out from the season starting, so they're going to change um, a whole lot more between now and and the start of the season. And you know people are going to disagree, and that's fine. And encourage people to move players up and down these tiers um, to best suit their their roster coming into draft day. And I've probably only covered the sort of top. 100 to top 120 players because like you said after that the difference is so small and the back end of your roster is going to change so much over the first few weeks of the season anyway yeah it's going to change a ton that's just how all of this stuff works all the time and we don't have this level of introduction to all of these shows it's just good to set the the baseline of what we're talking about here but that does bring us into the point guard tiers now matt said you base this on some of my projections i did a few weeks ago stuff is adjusted but he's also chucked a little bit of his own flavor into it and i think i think people might well, i don't know if people would be surprised but when we get to tier one which we're going to do right now for point guards you've just got old mate Luka Doncic sitting there by himself um, which again some people I think might be a little bit surprised at as you people can see on the screen I've got the ADPs next to it and that is Yahoo Fantrax ESPN in that order so ADP of three three and two I have absolutely no problem with Luka being here by himself but there will be people Matt who say well why isn't Shea in this area or you've got a what about Luka's turnovers or his free throw percentage why have you got him sitting here at number one um so those asking we've got shay in shooting guard tiers because josh giddy is the point guard the main point guard in in oklahoma but for me luca is my third player on the board after Jokic and joel Embiid. um we know luca nightly triple double threat 
the field goal percentage last year jumped dramatically. Um, steals increased as well. The free throw is a little bit of concern, but I don't believe it's a biggest concern as people make it out to be. Um, and yeah, he took a, a small hit with the arrival of Kyrie Irving last season, but not enough for me to draft him out of the top five. And like I said, I've got num- him at number three on my board currently. Yeah, he did take a bit of a hit. The assist rate did drop playing with Kyrie. Now, people say that, that pairing didn't work. It did. They were plus six per 100 possessions in the time they were together. So we can't write that off. But his assist rate did take a little bit of a hit. Um, I don't really think there's too much of a concern with having him um, sitting here in this tier alone. Again, I am going to reference it in my Durant rankings. I do have two other guys that are in that tier one alongside him. So that, that's something to bear in mind. I don't think there's any real argument Matt for Luca going at any spot from two through to six. Really, I I don't I don't think you could argue either way on that. No, I don't think there's any argument either. And um, yeah, still coming into the prime of his career, doing some great things in the FIBA World Cup as well. Um, yeah, another great season's in store for Luca. We're going to get into tier two in just a second, but before we do that, I do have to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Fangio. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from Fangio, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join Fangio, the app. It's easy to use and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. Just that, that great offer if you are not even a new member, an existing member to get that 100 bucks off NFL Sunday ticket. That makes it worthwhile there as well and put all of your other knowledge to the test. So visit fanjul.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with an offer that you won't want to miss. Fanjul is an official partner of the NFL and don't forget to gamble responsibly. Matt, that brings us into tier two. Of course it does because that's what comes directly after uh, tier one. And we're sitting there with Tyrese Halliburton. And I, I guess maybe that's the name I should have brought up instead of Shea before that people would say, well, why isn't why isn't Tyrese in Tier 1 alongside Luca? And I can sort of get the argument. He's ADP is 6 on Yahoo, 6 fan tracks, 10 ESPN. 10 on ESPN is insane. Like, that's obviously ludicrous. Why have you given a little bit of a delineation here between these two? Um, I mean, it's it's really close. And we're sort of talking about, like I said, Luca in the top 3 or 4 and Tyrese Halliburton. I'd probably have it at four or five in that six range. So it's very, very small margins. Um, I guess Tyrese, the biggest difference in them is is the scoring. Luke is at sort of 30, 31 points per game. You know, Tyrese Halliburton's probably going to be in the in the low 20s, um, but both got great threes. Tyrese Halliburton's unbelievable assists. Um, he was uh, second overall in assists per game last season and top five in, in total assists. Um, should replicate that again this season. Um, the amazing efficiency, the great steals. Um, so we are splitting hairs, but um, yeah, probably just have a little bit more confidence in in Luca in that top three and, and Tyrese Halliburton right behind him. Yeah, look, I, I think I think that's fair enough. I, where Halliburton needs to get better is just more usage and getting to the free throw line more. Can he do it? I, I don't know. Like that's going to be the big question. Like we saw him take big steps up last season, played a lot of minutes, um, usage did increase and assist rate was up and steal rate was really high, but does he have an extra gear? And it's hard to write a bloke off who's like 23 or whatever he is, but you do see what his game is and you think, can he ever be like, I am I am a 28 usage player and I'm, I'm not really sure that he can be necessarily. Yeah, I guess that's, like you said, the next step to his game. And obviously he had an injury um, 
interrupted yeah. season In- last year. So injury. Yeah, we haven't we haven't seen that full season yet of Tyrese, which we have of Luca. So, you know, if we get a seventy to seventy five game out of Halliburton. Um, this season, I'm sure we'll be talking about him in Tier 1 next year. Yeah, I think, I think he's far off. In a points league, I think he's actually a little bit down. I think he's more of a Tier 3 player. He's just not quite as impactful in a points league. It's not terrible, but you know, compared him to where Lucas sits, like it's you know, maybe it's eight fantasy points a game, which is a pretty sizable difference, and that drops him down there into, uh, into Tier 3 in a points league for me. In terms of... Uh, the tier three here for category leagues. We've got three guys in it. LaMelo Ball, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry. You can see all their ADPs on the board. There is a p- pretty clear delineation between drafters where everyone's grabbing Steph first, seven, nine, and seven, whereas LaMelo is sliding into the second round on all sites and Lillard is at the back end of the first. We're grouping them together. I obviously, I agree with this, Matt. I think that Ball is being underrated. I think that Lillard's a little bit interesting because it's very hard to project him at the moment. Um, I'll start with this. If Lillard is in Miami, does he move out of this tier, do you think? He's probably somewhere between three and four. I was trying to sort of work through this the other day and and think about where Lillard might end up if he, in terms of um, his overall value, if he does end up in Miami. And I think he's probably going to be somewhere maybe between 10 and 15. I don't know exactly what you think, but, um, you know, he'd be playing with, obviously, Jimmy Butler and Bama Adebayo, and we know how many games Jimmy Butler misses, and when he does, Damien Lillard will still have a ton of usage and, and put up some big lines. Um, so if we knew right now that he was staying in Portland, he'd be probably in the tier above. Um, but, yeah, that... I guess trade request that's hanging over his head just does make the um, the decision a little bit more difficult when you get to that end of the first round. And Lamelo Ball, like you said, I think he's being underrated as well. He had that fractured wrist in his rookie season, played 75 games in his second season, and then last year just couldn't get that ankle right. Um, you know, had multiple injuries to that ankle before they packed him away for surgery. So um, I think he's really good value, sort of at that back end of the first round. And I've Probably got him at eight at the moment, um, with Steph Curry probably slightly just ahead of him. Yeah, I've got him. I took him at nine in a mock draft the other day, but yeah, I wouldn't really have a hesitation necessarily going into eight. I, I probably would. He's, he's put in eight and nine. Depends on what you want to do with Giannis in that area, but I think that's fair enough to have those guys all grouped together. I, I think Lillard probably, if he is in Miami again, it depends on so many other factors, but he probably doesn't change a huge amount. I think you're right that he maybe drops a tier into tier four, and he possibly moves into that. Um, yeah, 15 to 19 sort of a range would be my guess. But um, again, it's really hard to know that without without knowing how everything's going to shake out. Now, in my uh, Durant tiers, actually, or Durant rankings, Lillard and Ball are actually up in tier one. So that that, that was a little bit of an interesting thing that uh, got thrown up there while Curry and Halliburton were in tier two. So the same top five, just a little bit of a, a different order in that in that grouping. And Lillard and Steph are not particularly strong as points league guys either. They're more tier three sort of points league guys, second round guys. If we go to tier four now, we've got a couple of players here, Trey Young and James Harden. Both of these guys are being drafted in the second round. Trey, uh, lowest ADP, or actually the, the, the lowest, highest, I don't know what you're going to say. He's in the 20s on Yahoo, but in the teens on the other sides. And same with Harden. So Yahoo drafters are more skeptical of both of these players. 
it doesn't look the Harden one is we just don't know what's happening with him. But the Trey one's interesting because it's not going to take a huge amount. People will say, well, Trey was 50th last season. It, it doesn't take hardly anything for him to be back at 10th, really. Like, I think that he is very solid in that second round. And like LaMelo Ball, people just hate Trey Young for whatever reason that they hate him and he gets dinged significantly. It's not going to take a huge amount for him to get back into this area or even higher, I think. No, and I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago my, my sort of top eight when I had Carrie and Ball in there and a few people questioned the, the ball pick and I said that that next group, which contains, you know, your James Harden, um, your Kevin Durant, um, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, there are concerns, Damian Lillard as well. There are some sort of concerns around each of them. So maybe by default, Trey Young just does come up into that sort of late first round conversation just due to the elite level points and assists that he brings. And we know how hard those two categories are to find later on. So... I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, people do shy away from those other players and, and we do see Trey Young's ADP um, come up more into that, you know, like I said, maybe 10 to 14 range um, around the turn there. Um, and James Harden, again, we just we just have no idea what's going to happen if he's going to be in Philly, play in Philly or, or be shipped off elsewhere. So um, hopefully we get a resolution um, before draft season. Yeah, look, it's I think wherever Harden goes, it probably is going to be somewhat of a hit to his value. How much of it, I, I don't know, but I do think there'll be somewhat of a hit. But he's also shown over the last two years that he can withstand a hit in usage, which he did in Philadelphia, and still put up really good numbers. So maybe it's not as big of a hit. Who do you think takes a bigger hit if they are traded? Is it Harden or, or Lillard? <laughs> Completely depends where they go. I think probably on the surface, Harden, I just... I just don't know who trades for James Harden. Like I said, if Lillard ends up in Portland, like he's still in a pretty good situation because they're going to have to give up some pieces to to get him mm. um, and that might impact their depth. And like I said, with Jimmy Butler missing games, maybe Damian Lillard still is a top 10 player. Um, James Harden, not as convinced. Like the assist will still be there, but maybe the scoring comes back a little bit, but... Yeah, it's all it's all hypotheticals at this stage, and, and really hard to tell. It is really hard to tell. Like we just we just don't know. Like we don't know how things are going to pan out because we just don't know how. It's never just about the guy joining another team because pieces have to move all over the place, and you never know who's leaving, who's coming, who's going, and how all that stuff pans out. So we've got James Harden and Trey Young in tier four, but even within a tier here, Matt, like this isn't really accounting for a level of safety or security. Like I'd probably feel more comfortable drafting Trey Young in this spot versus drafting James Harden just because we have more idea of what is actually going on with him. But in three weeks time, we might reassess this and Harden sits there perfectly equivalent to what Trey is or he's in a situation where it's actually better for him and he sits a spot ahead. I think that's, I think that is possible as well. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, in terms of where they sit in my, um, my other rankings, I've got Harden as a tier three guy. Trey is actually a tier four player. A few other guys uh, jump ahead of him in those uh, Durant rankings, which we'll get to again. We'll explain them another day. But just you know, ideas that things do change. Tier five, Devin Booker. We've got him listed as a point guard. Matt, people are going to tell you that actually Sham said that Bradley Beal is their point guard. So what are you doing? But I think you know, as a Suns fan, and I know as someone who watches basketball, that Devin Booker is their best passer and their best playmaker and he's going to have the ball in his hands quite a bit. And I think, I don't care what Sham says. I, I think that Booker is the point guard. 
Yeah, I was really surprised to see that tweet and that report and, and not exactly sure where that came from. But um, yeah, in my mind, Devin Book is the, the point guard, like you said, the best playmaker, the best passer on the team. Um, you know, Beal and, and Durant will spend time on the ball, but Devin Booker will be the primary lead ball handler there. Um, Cade Cunningham potentially could have dropped him down a, a tier, but um, I'm really bullish on Cade again this season. Was high on him last year. I think he's just going to have... Um, a breakout season and potentially this time next year we're talking about him as a first round draft pick um, but you know yeah the pieces that they're slowly starting to put around him a full season hopefully um, with no injury concerns um, but yeah you're probably going to be able to get Cade potentially around or half around later than Devin Booker and I think that's excellent value. Yeah, look, I, I think Cade and Booker, they're two guys that I have as players that have got a chance to become first-round guys. Obviously, we're not taking them in the first round like that. would just be uh, silly to do that. But I, I do think that there's, if we're looking at guys who've got that ability to perhaps jump up and be that surprise first-round guy, like all the ingredients are there for someone like Cade Cunningham. He, 20, if he averaged 26, 6, and 7, 1.3 steals, 2.4 triples, 46, 85 on six attempts from the line, like you're there. That's already the 10th best player. And that's not insane for him to do it because he rebounds, he gets assists, he can get steals, he can hit threes, he can get to the line, he does hit free throws. He just was a really poor shooter last season. So it is possible for him to get there. But look, that's a gigantic discrepancy in that ADP. And that's, I think, a great illustration of what we're talking about with tiers here. It's like we've got them relatively similar, these two guys, but. We're talking 25, 30 spots difference in their ADP. Cunningham, 44 on Yahoo, Booker, 17. I don't actually have too much of a problem with Booker at 17. It's just you know, getting Cade at 44 feels like it's a pretty good deal, I would say. That's a steal, yeah. It is, it is, which is what we're always trying to get in our drafts is trying to um, trying to find those steals and trying to extract that extra value in a lot of, uh, in a lot of drafts and trades and waiver wire moves. Let's look at tier six. A little bit busier, this one. We've got three players in it. Fred Van Vliet, Jamal Murray, Darius Garland. A fairly large discrepancy as well in some ADPs. Fred going as high as 21 on Yahoo. Murray going as low as 51 on Fantrax. And I guess people will be a little bit surprised to see these guys um, positioned together. Van Vliet is going to hurt you a lot in field goal percentage. And if you're willing to sacrifice that, that is going to jump him up quite a bit. Garland probably needs to get back a couple of assists away from Mitchell. But I think it's fair enough to have all these guys here. I'd probably lean maybe Van Vliet pushing somewhat higher, maybe into the tier, maybe it's like a tier five and a half, and you push him ahead into with Cunningham and Booker. Do you have any worries? Because uh, I know people have said, well, you may have said, well, there's an open competition. Anyone can get minutes. I don't think that really applies to Van Vliet, but do you have any worries about what his role is? It is sometimes hard to join a new team and maintain the same level of production. Yeah, I mean, potentially, and that is a small concern, but um, and potentially, you know, it's an extra... Oh, sorry, it's one or two minutes less than he was playing in, in Toronto and therefore the yeah. usage drops a little bit as well. Um, but he's still going to be a strong source of assists, steals and threes. Like you said, that field goal percentage is always an issue. Um, and Jamal Murray and, and Darius Garland just extremely well-rounded, reliable point guards. I do wonder if Jamal Murray will get overdrafted a little bit based on um, the Nuggets championship performance last season and people will know know the name and, and think, oh, yeah, Jamal Murray, you know, won the championship. You know, he's a good player. I'm going to draft him a little bit earlier than maybe he should go. Um, and Darius Garland, just like I said, just super reliable, well-rounded, won't hurt you anywhere. Um, like I said, an extra assist or two would be good, but... Donovan Mitchell was there now and 
Um, Gallon's a, a great pick for, for Roto Leagues as well with his um, efficiency. Yeah, um, Garland's still really young. He's like 23. He's got plenty of room to grow with these. And the thing with you mentioned with Van Vliet's really important is that he was playing, like two years ago, he played 37, 38 minutes a night. He was down to 36 last year. But if he plays 34, now Udoka did play Tatum and Brown quite a few minutes, but there are a lot of options here, like Kevin Porter. There is a Men Thompson, who knows how much he plays, but Kevin Porter can still play some point guard. So it's not like Van Vliet is going to have to play 38 minutes a night in Houston, which which is going to be an impact. To me, he's probably, uh, him and Murray are probably, and, and Garland, they're tier six points league players, but there are some guys that we haven't covered who are better points league guys, um, like you know, Jar Morant's probably a tier three if on a per game basis. Jalen Brunson's probably a tier five uh, points league player, and Darren Fox similarly as well. We haven't covered those guys yet for category leagues. In fact, we might be getting to no we're not we're actually not tier seven matt drew holiday sits there by himself adp 38 44 43 sitting there by himself in tier seven tier seven feels like it should be pretty low down the list but we're only talking end of the third round here what's Mm -hmm. what's the selling point on drew holiday for this upcoming season i don't know if there's a selling point as such because last season he took on those extra responsibilities with chris middleton missing a large chunk of the season so I think we should expect a slight step back um, from that production. But if he can return to something similar in in his 2021 and 21-22 seasons, I think that would be a really good outcome. A top 40 season is still on the cards. Um, You know, maybe they do sit Giannis a little bit more with his knee concern and Brooke Lopez as well. I don't think he can do what he did last season with the amount of playing time and and the... um, the run that he had with with no injury. So Drew Holland, uh, Holiday is still a, a, a very, very good and reliable fantasy player. Yeah, I think he's probably in a similar like tier six for points leagues as well, along with Garland and Murray and Van Vliet that we spoke about. You're right in terms of like we talked Booker and Cunningham earlier about their ability to pop off and jump through that tier and even Van Vliet to a degree. I'm not really sure Drew's got that. Like it's probably more of a safety pick if you went a little bit higher upside in some of the earlier rounds. He's probably more likely to drop than he is to rise, but I wouldn't say that he's overly likely to drop off from this position. Tier eight. Two guys, Jalen Brunson, Darren Fox, and there'll be two names that people go, well, that's ridiculous. Why are they so low? Because their ADPs, Jalen Brunson, bang, in the middle of the third round on Yahoo, 32. Darren Fox, 31 on Fantrax. These are really early picks for both of these guys. Where is or what's the level of skepticism for both of these players? Because I I share that some some similar level of skepticism on these guys. What are we concerned about with these two? Um, I mean, I don't have any real concerns with Jalen Brunson. He had that massive season last season in New York. It's his first one there. So, you know, can he keep up that level of production? I think he can. Um, you know, he was a really good score good efficiency as well from a point guard so i don't see any reason why that that field goal or free throw would drop off at all um the steals around one per game the assists are nice the threes are nice he just you know does a lot of good things in in good areas um and the aaron fox the the issue with him in terms of his overall value has always been his free throw percentage he increased that last season um it still was but, um, still was negative, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was. It, and that was the thing. It was it was 78, percent but it was on six attempts in a career high. But it was actually still a negative Z score. Mm. So, um, you know, you do need to factor that in. But you know, again, the elite scoring and the assist that he does bring, 
um, does need to give him a little bit of a boost. And, you know, I don't really believe in in the ADPs um, at this time of the year because they're, they're very much tied to the rankings of those sites, which does skew things. So, um, yeah, not to not to say a bad word about them, but, yeah, I, I do put little weighting into um, the current ADPs of players. Look, I... I... In this area, round three, round four, I don't actually dislike these picks that much, especially in a points league. I think there's some real value. I think they're both probably yeah, tier five to tier four points league guys a little bit higher than this sort of level. My worry, I guess, a little bit with Fox is, does he maintain that level of shooting? Because it was crazy. Like, I don't know that it stays there. And when you are absolutely 100th percentile, there's only really one way you can go, and that's down. And, and that gives me some worry there with him, plus the free throws. But he's still going to be really, really strong. And Brunson's lack of defensive stats is somewhat of a concern. He also shot, I think, 45% from three over the final 50 games or something of the season. So another one one of those ones where you go, well, maybe maybe the only direction that can go is is down. Tier nine. We are you will notice that we've got a, we had a bunch of guys there which are probably all top fifty players and we're eight tiers in. That's the way that point guards run. These next group aren't top fifty players. Tier nine, Marcus Smart, Chris Paul. Jar Morant, all their ADPs well outside the that area. Apart from, for some reason, on ESPN, Jar Morant's got an ADP of 27, which, I don't know, I'm not even going to try to explain what's going on over there because there's no re- reason for that. Yes, if Jar Morant wasn't suspended 25 games to start the season, in a points league, that is absolutely a totally viable position to pick Jar Morant. He is going to be probably a top 15 points league guy, but he's going to miss 25 games minimum. And who knows what he's going to be like when he returns. So that is a very curious um, ranking there. Interesting to see Smart and Morant together because Smart's going to be boosted early and they drop off a little bit late. And the Chris Paul one's really interesting to me, Matt. I I want to focus a little bit on him. I I don't know whether he is going to start. I think he's probably leaning more towards him not starting. But the question is going to be, is he 32 minutes a night like he was playing for your sons last season or is he 27 minutes a night? Because that's a huge difference. 27 minutes a night, Chris Paul, is maybe not top 100 draftable. Well, it's funny you should say that because I've got a bit of a hot take on Chris Paul if you would like to hear it, Josh. Yeah, go ahead. And I don't think there's any way he's playing 32 minutes a night. I think it's probably in that mid to high 20s maybe to start the season. But I've got real concerns that come, let's say, February that, again, Yes, Chris Paul is out of the top 100 and he's not even standard league relevant for the fact that he will be probably rested, potentially be injured by then. And I just think the consistency just isn't going to be there. There there will be nights where he puts up, you know, 12 or 14 points and eight or nine assists, but then the next game might be six points and, and six assists and then you have a night off. And I just have a gut feel that he's strengths won't be worth rostering him and he won't have that consistency to be on a on a roster for any period of time. He'll, if he's on the waiver wire, he'll be a spot start guy and he'll be a streamer guy for assists. But just like Russell Westbrook last year, you know, his weaknesses were um, weren't worth the, the hassle and worth rostering. So that's my concern with Chris Paul this season. Yeah, look, the other thing, I thought you were going to go this direction as well, is that uh, he might be on a different team. He might not be playing for this team. He might be salary dumped somewhere else to get another asset in for the Warriors and 
he goes to a team that just goes, just sit down for a couple of months here, Chris, like come over, we'll buy you out. Maybe you come to another team and play 20 minutes. I, Again, similar to the Westbrook situation from last season. I think that, you know, I, I didn't really think of that as an option until I did my Warriors preview. We locked on Warriors and he's like most likely played in trade. He's like, oh, mate, I think it might be Chris Paul. I'm not sure he's actually here to be a part of the team the whole way. And if it doesn't work out, they will use him the way that they flipped D'Angelo Russell to try and maintain the salary slot to get somebody else in that might be able to help him. And I went, oh, oh yeah, because it is a weird fit, him and Steph, and how that all works and playing extraordinarily small the whole time. How does it all work? And if someone's getting moved, it's it's going to be Chris Paul. So we'll see how that all works out. Um, these guys, like John Morant is probably a tier three points league player if he wasn't suspended, and Smart and Paul are much lower. That does bring us to the question, though, on Jar, Maddie is where do you pick him? Like, what what is reasonable enough for you, knowing these missing minimum twenty five games? So, Max you can play is fifty seven. You cut out the couple of weeks of the season at the end where you're not even playing fantasy in general. So, look, does he even get does he get forty five games in? Does he play forty games? Is that and for a guy who's not a good category player as a general rule, I don't think you can do a top seventy five pick on him. I was starting in that range. I think probably, yeah, I was going to go maybe 80, 90 range. And, and like you said, those 25 games to start with, then does do the Grizzlies sort of ease him back into it? Like I can't see him well, they did it last straight year, back didn't they? playing 30 minutes a night or 35 minutes a night. It might be 28 and then 30. And then, you know, does he sit it back to back? You know, what's his conditioning like? Um, you know, yeah, does he have another ankle injury or, or where it comes? So, yeah, no, are you going to get, like you said, 40 to 45 good games out of Jammer out this season. That's the big the big question. Um, and you're probably going to need multiple IR spots because, like you said, you're going to be without him for the first, what, month to six weeks of the season. Yeah, he's back in November, I think. I've got the date somewhere. I've got to have a look yeah. um, of when he's actual due back. But this is not like he's a top 20 player. He's, he's not a top 20 player like... He has so many deficiencies in a category league. And last season when he went to Florida for his wellness retreat, he came back and played off the bench limited minutes for a little bit of time anyway. And now he's missing 25 games. It's just, this is not a top 20 guy that's just going to fly back in. Like he might best, someone said, oh, if you pick him at 50, it's fine because then you have a stud rolling for the playoffs. But that's his value in the playoffs, like 50. It's around that area. It's not that much higher. And you've got to deal with zeros. And if you're in like a Yahoo public league, he doesn't, doesn't actually qualify for IL because, again, they're stupid and they don't have IL Plus as a default, but he doesn't qualify for regular uh, IL. So you're just stuck with a zero on your bench for until when he comes back, which is actually the 19th of December is the first date that he's due back. Can you deal with that? I don't know. And I don't want to do that with my first four picks. So that makes it really, really tough to make that decision. So I think 75 is a good cutoff, but I'm not even sure I'd do it, to be honest, because he's not... Is it, is it actually worth that when he comes back? In a points league, sure. Category league, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened there on that screen. That's gone weird. I'll have to work out that in one second. So I don't know what actually happened there. That's some weird stuff that processed wrong. But what we missed out on was a tier 10 is Markel Fultz, who sits alone there in tier 10 at the moment, um, which I think is fair enough. A lot of people have some concerns on Fultz, but I've heard a lot of people going even aggressively the other way. Man, he's going to be this great guy. I've got to get my team. He's going to win leagues for me. I'm not really sure that's... 100% true, but he is in a weird position. I am not overly concerned, and by overly concerned, I'm not really concerned at all about Anthony Black or Cole Anthony taking away minutes from him. They clearly run better when Fultz is out there playing 30 minutes a night. I'm a little bit the same. Um, 
but that backcourt is still just just feels so crowded with Marco Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony. It's like you said, throw Anthony Black, their rookie, into the mix. Gary Harris is still around. Um, you know, they've got Joe Ingles, not that he's going to play a real lot, but it just feels a little bit too crowded in my liking. They probably want the ball in, in Wagner and, and Paolo Bancari's hands more as well. So, I mean, Fultz is still fine if you want some assistance steals, but I just worry a little bit about his ceiling and I'm, I'm not convinced he's a top 50 player. I don't think he's a top 50 player. I think he's in an interesting spot here. Um, I don't know. I, I probably would, I think, have him more pushed down into this group of guys in Tier 11, which I'm going to talk about in a second. I just, I think he's got value, and I'm not really worried about those guys. But then the way that Paulo Bunkero is playing over at the World Cup as a backup center as well makes it very, because that, that's really their hole, is because Mo Wagner's their backup center. So if Paulo can play some backup center, that opens up more minutes for those guards to play together a little bit more versus being really constrained and squished in and enables some lineups with Harris, Suggs, Fultz all together, or Anthony, Fultz, and Suggs playing together just because you've got Franz at the four and Paulo at the five now. I think that yeah. enables a little bit of that. It's a weirdly constructed team for sure. Tier 11, though, we did reference it already. I might as well get into it now. Derek White, Josh Giddy. Ben Simmons, Trey Jones. Big differences in ADPs here. Simmons is a guy that you can get very, very late. I do think he is going to start, um, but I, I, who knows what we're going to get out of him. I think he's an amazingly good late pick, Matty, um, understanding that he's going to be bad at free throws and he's not going to score very much. But I, I think when you're getting him in this spot, well, it's, 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 it's free. It's free money, whatever you're doing with him. Yeah, it is. I, I'm still not convinced I will draft him because of the free throws. Um, but Josh Giddy for me is the standout in in this range. The the strong rebounds from a, a guard position, the strong assists. Um, will be interesting to see how his how his scoring goes with Chet Holmgren and another step from um, Jalen Williams as well. Um, I'm not really buying into some of the Derek White hype either. Um, I just wonder where his production is going to come from behind Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kristaps Porzingis. Um, and then Trey Jones. Um, we assume he's going to be the starting point guard in San Antonio. And, and like we saw last season, he's a good late-round um, guy if you need a boost in assists. Yeah, we do assume that he's going to be the starting point guard there. Maybe campaign pushes him. Maybe Jeremy Sohan gets some minutes there. I look out of that. I agree with you on why I'm a little skeptical on him returning the value that some might think. Giddy's an interesting one because he lacks defensive stats and the free throws can be a real problem. And we've seen uh, through FIBA, he's getting to the line more. And the more you get to the line, the more of a problem that becomes. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about tiers and overall value, that can impact stuff quite a bit. I, I would I would clearly, though, out of this group, pick Josh Giddy ahead of these guys. And in fact, yeah, I'd probably would almost definitely pick him ahead of Markel Fultz uh, as well, I think think at this stage but there are it's why you're discussing values and ranks is a real tough thing when we're talking fantasy because there are just so many different factors to consider and, and giddy as you can see is going to go here in round six or round seven in most cases i'm not sure that he's got upside to improve when well, that's not true he's 20 like he's not even 21 but given the team construct where does he take it from where he was last season is the big question i guess yeah i think and, and he's really going to need to improve that three-point shot um, you know, with those other players around him. Um, so, yeah, and we know how many draft picks OKC have coming up over the next few years as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see which of those 
core players they keep and, and which get um, shipped out over the next couple of years as these draft picks are coming through. It takes us to tier 12, and you'll see Trey Jones' brother Tyus there. Now, people will think that he probably should be pushed ahead of Trey. I know people will have that argument, and because they'll, they'll, this is what will happen, Matt, and this is where you run into, you run into problems, is that they'll look at, well, look at what he did last season when Ja Morant was out. Look at his numbers as a starter. That's a top 50 player. And and while those numbers are true, like he did put up those numbers, the thing that you have to understand is that he was replacing Ja Morant. He was replacing Ja Morant's usage and Ja Morant's ball handling. And in Washington, yes, he's the starter, but he's not the number two offensive guy. He is behind Jordan Poole and behind Kyle Kuzma and maybe behind Corey Kispert in that lineup. And he's not in a situation where he's replacing Jordan Poole. And he, like, because in that lineup it was Desmond Bain and sometimes it was Jaron Jackson and then it was like Roddy or Brooks or guys like that. Like, he wasn't in a situation where uh, he was in a situation where he was really the only guy that could pass and was getting a little bit of usage. But Jordan Poole's going to run everything, really, I think, in Washington. And that means that Jones is not going to, I don't think, maintain the same level of assist rate that he had when he replaced Morant. And good luck getting a sniff of the ball when Kuzma and Poole are out there. So uh, while it seems great that he's going to be a starter, and it's a definite increase in minutes, it doesn't just transport everything straight across. Yeah, it's a good point. And we know that Tyus Jones has never been... A strong scorer. We've got him projected for about 13 points per game, which which is a negative in that category. The field goal percentage has always been questionable, which again drags down his overall value. So it's a good illustration of um, um, grouping players of similar overall value. But obviously these players, and like we saw in the last year, have certain strengths and weaknesses. And, and this is, um, like I said, the point of the draft where you really need to be moving you know, players up and down depending on how you want to structure your team. And, um, you know, yeah, what you've done earlier on in the draft might dictate who you take out later depending on their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, always. It's just really important to understand that what you've done before and how that impacts what happens later. The other two names there, D'Angelo Russell and CJ McCollum. McCollum's got obviously the highest ADP here, 64 over on ESPN, which is pretty crazy to me. I don't really know how he's able to maintain anywhere near that value if Zion and Ingram are healthy. And then there's Ascension of Trey Murphy, Dyson Daniels maybe getting a little bit more. I really think that both CJ and Russell are at pretty significant risk of losing a lot of what they did last season. Yeah, and CJ's finished 44th. 52nd and 63rd in per game value over the last three seasons, so slightly declining. So again, if you're taking taking him hypothetically in the 70-80 range, are you going to get a return on um, investment at that spot? Maybe, but you're probably also looking for um, someone with a little bit more upside, um, potentially like a Josh Giddy, or if you think Derek White's going to have a breakout, those sort of guys in, in that range. Yeah, um, I just, there's no excitement in those guys where you have to take them. There's so much more value in other spots and like you know, Reeves and Vincent can take minutes away from Russell and yeah, CJ, yeah, who knows? Do they play Zion at point guard like at times? So there's, there's a possibility of all those things happening. Of course, so much of it revolves around these guys being healthy, but I just would not want to... CJ's really giving me Valentunas vibes from last season where I just, I've just i got no interest in taking him uh, around that ADP, and that's why we've pushed him back here into Tier 12. Now, the last tier we look at is Tier 13. There's three guys there, De'Anthony Melton, Mike Conley, Emmanuel Quickly. That ADP data is absolutely incorrect because it's the one from the other one, so just ignore those numbers. Having some technical difficulties today, not a great day at all. Um, but these are all guys you're looking at in your last couple of rounds. Conley's an interesting one. There's almost no upside with him. 
I would suggest that I'm not sure how high the upside is for the other two guys either. I quickly is fine, but they brought in another guard in DiVincenzo. And Melton, you might think that, and I talked about this with Mitch on his show earlier today, that may if Harden gets traded, that means Melton's going to get big minutes. Does it? Like, is, is Dale Murray trading James Harden and not getting anyone back? I don't think that's going to be the case. Now, I guess you could say that if Harden doesn't get traded, then he sits out or fakes an injury or whatever, then Melton's minutes go up. That's possible. But uh, he's also a weird one where he's a low-scoring player who gets a ton of value through steals and you know, had an opportunity last season. And it's really going to be up to what Nick Nurse thinks of him. Because if Nick Nurse doesn't like him, then yeah, he's not getting the minutes. Simple as that. Yeah, and we saw, like I said, we saw that early last season when um, Harden was out and, and, you know, the Sixers rolled out to Anthony Milton and Shake Milton, um, the two M&Ms. And I think there was a, a stretch there where Milton had more value. Like I said, yeah. Milton's um, value was basically coming from his steals and threes and the, the defensive numbers. Again, not a strong scorer. Um, and like you said, if Harden gets moved, you'd think that the Sixers are getting something back and another piece to potentially put in that backcourt. So, um, you know, quickly, you know, yeah, nice player from the bench. Probably, in my opinion, was probably six man of the year last year. Um, had some nice scoring games and and a boost in free throw percentage if you need that. And anytime Brunson misses games, you probably want to go and add quickly off the bench. Um, but, yeah, not a real lot of upside, like you said, with these three. So, um, we'll find you some more value in, in some of the other positions. Yeah, it's, yeah, getting point guards early is important. It's hard to find these sort of guys that can come in and contribute. Just the Shake Milton thing reminded me of something I looked at the other day. So I've been doing some work, Matt, on looking at week-to-week production and you know, totals over a week and that sort of thing. Shake, you mentioned he had a really good run at things. How high do you reckon Shake Milton ranked in one of those weeks that he put up? Like he had... Is his rankings like week one he didn't play at all? I think he was three hundred and sixth in week two and two ninety first in week three, two sixty eight in week four, one sixty eight in week five, and then week six was the big one. How high do you reckon he got in that week? I I know he was pretty high because I remember tweeting something about him and Melton's value over a stretch of X amount of games, and I think off the top of my head, again across that span, um, Shake Milton was probably top 20 or 30, so I'm going to guess 20-ish. He, well, this is based on the totals for the week, right? He was, in week six, he was the third-ranked player, which is uh, literally insane. Like, he went from 306 to third in five weeks, and then it was 120th, 229th, 196, 179th, and then fall back to the 300s later on in the season. So he had this massive hot streak for these couple of games and went bananas and then just disappeared again. And now he's on a different team. So we don't know what's going to happen there. But it is, uh, again, this is a common pattern, Matt, that we see at the end of drafts around 13. It's really not, you can't find, it's hard to find a point guard, an upside sort of guy. Maybe you take, maybe it's Colin Sexton you take a look at. Maybe, like, is Kevin Porter even considered a point guard? Like, who knows where he fits in? There are a lot of different options you can go. And as always, as each round goes on, the differences between the players get smaller. And... You know, a guy that goes in round 11 versus a guy that might be 180th, who cares? Like The differences are so small that it's very easy to have differing opinions on a lot of these players. And then you sort of want to just go, well, where am I getting some minutes? Where am I getting some usage? Where's the opportunity that's arising with these players? And that's how it can get a little bit tough. Matt, that is the end of our Point Guard Tears show. Hopefully, tomorrow when we do Shooting Guard Tears, the technical difficulties aren't as prevalent. I hope I get it sorted out. Fingers crossed. I think we'll be good. Matt, 
tell everyone what's going on for you over at Twitter, what they can follow you and what's uh, happening at Basketball Monster. Yeah, follow me on Twitter, X. I don't even know what it's called anymore, but I'm at S-Man Sports. Um, Basketball Monster will have, so Center Tears will be out probably by the time this has gone live or pretty close. Um, then we'll do overall ranking tiers and then we'll get into some other juicy stuff, um, which I'll tell you about when we do some more positional tiers over the next couple of days. There you go. Well, we'll talk about all of that coming up. Matt, we're going to do shooting guards tomorrow, so I'll uh, I'll speak to you tomorrow. Thanks again for coming on and talking about the point guards. Anytime, mate. You go and get a good slate. Uh, so apologies for those technical difficulties on, on the screen there and some of those things that just didn't work out. Also, um, there were some issues I was having behind the scenes with some of the ranking stuff with my Durant ranking system, some of the points tiers. It didn't work. It wasn't presenting as well as I wanted it to, so I sort of stopped talking about it. So I apologize for that. I will go back and talk about this um, all in a separate show later on. So I'll probably do a show on individual points league tiers and talk more about the Durant stuff later on. So I was going to do it and then some stuff just screwed up in the background. I didn't want to keep Matt for the whole time to try and fix it. So that's what happened with that. So I do apologize. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.